Sorry, I'm hearing the planes start again. <laughs> I can't hear them. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay, then. Um, so I am so delighted to be joined by by you, Mike. Uh, you are actually our first digital living expert uh, to join our podcast. And I, I really do think it's quite timely as we think about the population of the baby boomers soon turning 80. And we've got a health human resources across the province, across Canada, around the world. Um, but we all know that the baby boomers are, are becoming a little more accustomed to uh, the use of technology. And technology is changing so quickly. I know you've got your, as a you're a digital expert, but you're also a family. And I know that you've been uh, testing and trying uh, new to use technology as you support your, have supported your parents. So here's the question. How can technology become an enabler as people age? Yeah, that's a, a pretty open question. Obviously, we're going to dig uh, deeper into that in uh, this in this show. Yeah, I've been doing technology for more than thirty years now, TV and radio and, and what have you. So it's been a, it's been great for me to have this knowledge to help look after uh, my parents as they've been uh, aging. And I guess my overall message today is just find the tools that work from a, a health monitoring aspect and uh, a communication aspect and and just keep it simple. There's a lot of exciting tech happening out there right now and a lot of developments, but the simpler you can keep it, the more quality time you'll be able to have with your aging loved ones and be able to keep more connected with them. Well, I think keeping keeping it simple really is the key when I think back to the old VCRs that always <laughs> blinked and flashed and Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, it can be more complicated now. Yes, technology has made a lot of things simpler, but at the same time, there's just like a million different things you can do with technology, which kind of makes it more complicated as well, if that makes sense. And a million different things to figure out what, what went wrong. Exactly. I love using technology to monitor their health, for example, and we can touch on that as far as the wearables go. And just some simple things to automate and, and keep track of some of the things that are going on in their homes, too. Oh, that's a it's a great way to think about it. and what is the specific need that we're actually trying to address and we've we've been hearing a lot in the seniors care living in Kector about how people don't want to go into long term care. We know that uh, baby boomers really don't see themselves as ever needing to move into a long term care setting, and, but we also know there's a, a certain percentage of the pop population that is, is going to need more specialized care, but our wait lists are astronomical. Yeah. So in Ontario alone, we have 40,000 people waiting for long term care. And so we do have an obligation to think differently. So how can we support people to continue to live in their homes? I know you've in your caregiving journey have been using technology care, but also that, that, that quality of in, um, share with us. So you've talked about the, the monitoring aspects, um, 
What what does that bundle of monitoring tools look like? Again, lots of different tools out there, but I like to keep on top of their overall health, making sure that they're getting in enough activity during the day and also be alerted if anything happens, whether they have a fall. My father, for example, he's 87 years old. He's living on his own now. My, my mother just passed away a short time ago. He has an Apple Watch that is paired with his iPhone, and he's given me permission to get the data from that watch whenever I need to see it and the alerts as well. So I can see how much activity he's getting a day, which is astro- It's fantastic, actually. It's, he's getting more activity than I am, like <laughs> more steps in the day than I am. But it's great because I can also see the days maybe he's not getting as many steps in and maybe that's because he's not feeling well. And then I can obviously give him a call and make sure he's okay. And on top of that, he also has a heart condition, atrial fibrillation, and he's on medication for it, which is great. But I can also get alerts when there is anything happening there as well and obviously check in on with him again. And then you can take that further. So with that particular solution, and I do the Apple Watch because that's kind of one of the more simpler ones out there. There's a lot of Android stuff as well for the Android folks out there, but it's a little more complicated. So I'm, again, I'm always about simple. (laughs) So the simpler it can be, the more effective it's going to be, it's going to be used. Um, On top of that, there's other services as well. I'm I'm really partial to some of uh, TELUS's uh, Living Well uh, devices, uh, and they've got a few different solutions uh, there. They've got uh, one that um, you know the family member can wear while they're uh, in, in in the home that is monitored twenty four seven. So if there's ever any issues, there's also a little call button on there. They can actually reach out and talk to someone if they need some help. Taking that another level, they've got another device that can go out with them, like outside of the home. It's got a built-in GPS as well, and that was something I was found important. My my mother, when she was still with us had Alzheimer's and she actually wandered away from the home a few times. So having a device like that would aid in finding her very quickly. And then finally, TELUS also has a a service for folks that already have an Apple Watch or you can get an Apple Watch through them where they can, again, monitor your loved ones uh, through that. In the big scheme of things, it's a small price to pay for peace of mind and making sure that your parents uh, or loved ones are safe. It's a it's a, it's a great approach as you think about keeping it simple. So, you know, knowing that those products exist, one of the things we know is that the, the trend for family members to move away from their parents. So, uh, either uh, individuals or the parents are living in a rural community and the their kids have moved to the city, or the parents are in the city and their kids have moved to a community because that's where there's affordable housing. So we have so many cases where um, the family caregiver isn't actually in the same geography. So to be able to use these remote monitoring approaches and to have a line of sight as to what's happening with your mom and dad or or other uh, people for whom you may be caring really does bring a very elegant solution. It's life-changing. I am very fortunate. I only live five minutes away from my father, but my brother, for example, he he lives over an hour away. Obviously, there's more travel time there. And like you were saying, sometimes your loved one's in a whole other province or across the, the country. So being able to keep connected, of course, with everyone's permission, is just a fantastic way, again, to keep those uh, channels of communication open and just to make sure everyone's safe and and sound so that when you do get that time for that great face-to-face time, you don't have to use a lot of it just going through a lot of the the basics there. You've already got that covered because you've been connected the entire time. 
And I, I, when I went back to when my father uh, was living with Alzheimer's and was was still at home with us, uh, we had to register. He was well in. We had least apartment and he wore a special bracelet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's tough. And even a simple, another simple solution, air tags. Those little Apple Air Tags or tile trackers, again with permission. That's something that could be put on a keychain or in a pocket or in in a wallet as well to, to help keep track. And, and Mike, what does permission look like? Is it just a, a verbal? We we spend so much time in because uh, my dog see, see, <laughs> see his exits because government is so. Um, concerned about privacy. So what does permission look like? I guess that's just a verbal communication with you and and your family members, right? I'm not writing out any contracts with my parents saying, hey, I've got some cameras here. I'm monitoring your Apple Watch. I sat down with them. They were happy to have these tools. They were happy because it made them feel safer. So I just sat down with them and I explained what they did. My mom, when she was still with us, loved her Apple Watch. She just loved knowing how many steps she was getting in and how many calories she was burning. And it made her feel good too, knowing that I could monitor if there was any falls or anything like that. So I sat down with them and just very clearly explained what these tools did and what kind of access I would have and if they were okay with that. I, I do a power of attorney as well. So I could take things further. I don't know if that gives me, from a legal aspect, certain rights as far as cameras and things like that. But I think it's just a, a verbal community with, with family members. Well, that, that's really helpful in just being sure that, that they know what you're doing and uh, you're, it's not hidden cameras. <laughs> really no. It's about that transparency and, and being doing this in partnership with them. Yeah. I do have a, a Ring video doorbell camera on their, their door and there's a number of different different types of makes and models out there. I, I like the Ring one. It ties in with my Amazon account and, and what have you. And they live in an apartment. So it's one of those kind of peephole cameras. That's great because I can see if there's any crazy people coming to their door and it can keep a, a video record of that as well. I haven't put any cameras inside their homes. Maybe some people that might be something they need, but I don't have any cameras like watching them while they're watching TV or, cook, or cooking dinner. But it, it is an option. So you've been chatting a bit about the, the monitoring aspects. Um, like from a, a living context, you um, can use technology to uh, enhance safety in a different kind of way. Yeah, there's all sorts of different tools there. One that made me feel really good because my dad keeps kept loving, leaving the stove on and burning pots that could go badly very quickly. There's a number of different connected plugs out there. One, I think it's called Wallflower. It goes in the plug behind the stove and then you plug your stove into this plug and tie it in with their, their Wi-Fi. And this thing is fantastic because if the stove is left on for an extended period of time, I get an alert on my phone basically saying, hey, uh, your parents' <laughs> stove's been going for an hour Maybe you should check on that. So that's great because then I can phone my dad. Hey, what's what are you cooking? And so I, there's honestly, it's been a couple times where I've had to had to phone him on that. And then going another level, and again, try not to get overcomplicated. I also got them a robot vacuum. These robot vacuums are amazing now. I hooked one of those up to their in in their home, and they can just I, I can set it on a schedule if necessary. But I've also tied it in with uh, one of their digital voice assistants, uh, like an Amazon Alexa device. So they can basically tell Dusty, that's the name they gave it, to vacuum the kitchen or the whole home. And they just love it. 
They, they think it's so cool. And, and that's the next step, uh, like a, a digital assistant. My parents love the one I, I put in there. Amazon's got their Echo devices that use the Alexa voice assistant. And Google's got their Google Homes. They're right. both great products. And I got one with uh, a screen on it uh, as well. And it's fantastic because my parents used it all the time for asking it to play their favorite radio station. Or my mom always loved listening to Dean Martin and just amazed that she could tell this thing to play Dean Martin all day, obviously driving my dad crazy, but uh, <laughs> it was cool. And and then also because it um, was tied in with the vacuum and uh, I did a couple lights, connected lights as well. They were able to use their voice to turn things on and, and off there. I, I didn't get, there's sky's the limit when you can put all these devices in there. I just try to keep it as simple as possible because even with the connected lights, they just forget. They mm-hmm. forgot the commands there. Again, the simpler, the less cluttered you can make things from a connected standpoint, the, the better. I know, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> it was their pet vacuum, but no, it, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Just help them with one of their, their chores in, in there. And, and also because it had the screen on it, it was, it was great because I tied that in with my photo accounts. I just had pictures of the grandkids just coming up constantly. And uh, that was a great tool because eventually my mom went into uh, a care home and I, I had put one of those on her bedside table. So she was always connected with great photos and, and, and memories of, of the family. What, what are the other uses for these, uh, these, these virtual assistants? Uh, can you communicate with your parents through them? Yeah, uh, that's another fantastic ability of them. And you'll want to get one that has the built-in camera. And for those concerned about privacy, you can turn the cameras on and off from a physical standpoint. But they were great for video calls. My brother, for example, he's an hour away, so he doesn't get to see them face-to-face as much as I, I would. He could just do a, a video call from his phone. And that would pop up, it would ring on their screen in the kitchen there, and they could just answer it and have a great little video call. Or they could use their voice to video call any family member, like myself or my brother. So that was cool. They also used it for grocery lists, because it could keep a running list, and then I would have access to that as well, and I could go get groceries for them. Yes, you could just phone them, hey, do you need any groceries? (laughs) But sometimes it's nice when they just think of it, because a lot of times they forget if if I just check in on groceries once once a week with a phone call. They, they actually use that, that component. And again, the sky's the limit. There's so many different things you can do with these digital assistants. I tied my Uber account into it as well so they could actually ask it to call an Uber. That got complicated sometimes. So mm-hmm. again, it just depends how tech savvy every everyone is. Your face with the with the the gig platforms. Yeah, where- I, I love it, and you can also tie in some of your uh, favorite uh, video streaming accounts to it as well. For my mom, when she was in the care home, we could tie in Amazon Prime Video account, and she could just ask it to play some shows on the device. Mm-hmm. And they've got different size screens as well, like little five inch ones or twelve inch ones, depending, um, you know, how you want to go. You mentioned that in some cases it gets a little complicated with trying to remember the the commands and the passwords. Um, Again, keeping it simple, if you're creating commands, how how simple is a command? For whether it's Google or Alexa, you basically say, Alexa, get Dusty to clean the the house. So that's pretty simple. What I ended up doing, I uh, made up a list on my computer and then I printed it out, just like a little card and laminated that. 
and, and made a few copies <laughs> of that. So my mom always uh, had one on the kitchen counter or when she was in the care home, there was like a little card there uh, as well. So if she forgot any of the commands, she knew that she could just go to that card and basically go through the the top 10 <laughs> commands she could uh, uh, to do there. Yeah, I, I, I would highly recommend. These devices are so cheap now. Amazon's got them on sale like almost always. So you can pick them up like 100 bucks or, or less in, in many cases. And what about things, for instance, um, do you use the assistant for reminding your parents to take them or for checking to see they take taking their medication or are there other tools yeah, that's another. Yeah, that's another great aspect of it. Yes, you can send up. You can actually set up reminders. So I can go in on my phone and basically through their digital assistant actually set up reminders on it at eight a.m. and noon or whenever they need to take their pills, and it'll come up as a little voice reminder on on the screen and actually speak out to them as well. There's also these connected pill dispensers. There's a few different types out in, in, in the market. I know some pharmacies sell or, or give them uh, away. Um, I tried a, a couple. Uh, basically, I would just take the week's supply of pills and um, stick them in this m- machine. And because it was connected, um, it, it would remind them via a little voice on the dispenser. But I also would get alerts whether they actually opened up the little tray to take the pills. Whether they took them or not, I don't know. But at least I knew that, you know, they opened the door. <laughs> to to get uh, the pills. But I I don't know. Sometimes those things are hundreds of dollars. I just, how effective they are. I I never really got a a good mojo going with that thing because I'd always have to go and fill up the pills Mm -hmm. every week. Do you know what I mean? So if you're not near them, then that's a problem, right? So just doing even like a simple reminder, like even something that comes up in their phone or on like your digital screen assistant, that's probably a simpler way to go. Their Apple Watch. Or their Apple Watch. Yes, yes. Everyone's wearing these wearables now. It's funny. My dad was a Danish watchmaker and he just loves his Apple watch. And Apple watch is the biggest selling watch in the world, not just digital watch, but just watch in, in, in general. So it's just kind of part of what we do now with wearables. It's become so normalized and so accessible for you. You've talked about all of these uh, different devices uh, and they they can give verbal messages do they all have the same voice? Can your parents differentiate? Do they know when it's <laughs> one, one apparatus from the other? Yeah, you can change voices on these things, whether you want a female or male voice, what kind of accent you want. I just kept the default voice on there. Mostly it's Alexa talking to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can have a like Google device, an Alexa device. I just try to keep it to one, as few ecosystems as possible, mm-hmm. just again, to avoid any con- confusion, essentially. Well, and to that point, you've got, you really built out a a digital household uh, for your your parents in this regard and connected your household with their household. How well do these different devices interconnect? And is that a consideration? It it sure is. And how you use them. Yeah, it, it sure is. It's getting better. But there are different ecosystems out there. Apple's got their own ecosystem. Amazon with Alexa's got their own ecosystem. Of course, Google's the other player out there. They are coming out or have standards now where they're all supposed to work and talk with each other better. But I think we're still a few years away from really simple, true, good integration there. My ecosystems are the Apple world with the Apple Watch and iPhone and the Amazon Alexa 
eco ecosystems. Again, if you can keep it simple, that's, <laughs> I keep saying that because you can get lost in this sometimes. The fewer things going on, the, the better. And what about, you know, I've got a lot of unused apps on my my phone, but there, there are always updates as well. Do, is that something you have to manage directly or, or uh, parents know when there might be a software update that needs to be uh, uploaded? Fantastic question. I have, wherever I can, automatic updates turned on just so that just happens. I I rarely have to go into a phone or a device to to update it. It's just automatically happening in the background, which I think is great. Again, on their iPhones, my mom had an iPhone, but she never heart she didn't really hardly use it mainly, mm-hmm. mainly just as a phone. Like she didn't know how to get into the apps or anything. My dad's kind of the same thing. He just uses, his, uses it as a phone and he's figured out the camera now, which has been great for him, but getting him to read text, no, it's not going to happen. And he's not going to get into any of the other apps as well. And I think you'll find that with kind of the older generation. So before you start loading all these cool apps on their phone, just make sure that they want to use them or even know how to use them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to go to the point that you made about um, consent and getting consent. And, cause, and you'd met while well, your mother was, was with you. And I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's never an easy thing uh, for any one of us. Um, and uh, I know you, you'd mentioned that she'd been in a care home and that you used a device in the care home. Yeah, that was, yeah, I was wondering about that because when you go into these care homes, they've got all sorts of packages they sell you as well, right? <laughs> oh, you want TV? That's going to be 80 bucks a month. Oh, you want internet? And so that, that was the thing because obviously these digital devices have to have an internet connection. And I just thought, you know what? She, it's only this Alexa device do I want to pay, I think it was like a hundred bucks a month for internet. And so I just asked the administrator there, just, Hey, I, I don't want to pay a hundred boxes. Can I just hook it up to your kind of Wi-Fi? Cause it's just, it's a glorified digital photo frame for mm-hmm. the most part. So they were very gracious with that. And they're like, no problem. I didn't have to pay that hundred bucks a month, but when it comes to permission, yeah, they, they I read through all their stuff. I don't think they really have any good policies for that because mm-hmm. these digital assistants, like that that Alexa device I put in there, it's got a camera built into it. Do you know what I mean? I told the nurses about it just so to make sure that they knew what was going on. And I physically turned the, the little camera off just because I don't want to be that weird, creepy guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is a fantastic question. And I, I don't think a lot of care homes have really got policies around that yet. It really is something that triggered for me. And I was thinking back to the pandemic when uh, care homes around the world were closed to visitors yeah. and virtual visits became the thing. Yeah. We had fine staff who were supporting members with iPads, uh, Zoom or FaceTime. And um, but as I'm thinking about this, there's such an interesting as we think about little living in long-term care. Uh, what does that look like? Um, I know we we had a our association hosted a conference, and in the exhibit floor there was a robot that was actually a waiter. Yeah, but the waiter had face recognition, <laughs> serving food. It could ask questions of the person. They were. It was serving, uh, and depending on the response, could trigger an alert to the nurse. 
Yeah, that technology is here now. Amazon, they have a little robot called Astro that they're beta testing right now. People can actually sign up to, to get this robot. I think it's a couple thousand bucks, but it's got little wheels. It's got a little screen for a face as well. Like you were saying, it, it can recognize faces. It can play music for you or your shows. It can go around the home from a security aspect and make sure everything's cool. It's got like a little periscope camera that comes out of its head. It can actually go up and look above the kitchen counters to make thing, make sure things are turned off, like stoves, for like example. Stoves. And one of the things they said that was a big use for it was just as a companion as well, because they're finding a lot of seniors were actually using it to talk to. My mom loved her Alexa device because she's just, she's very into news and just loved asking a million questions. And Alexa never gets tired. Neither does Google. You can keep asking it a million questions about everything you've ever wanted to know. These robots are here. There was another one I've seen. It's more so in Asia. It's this little robot cat that just sits with you to, you can pet it and it purrs and it knows it's the different owners there. So we're going to be seeing more of that type of technology over the next few years, definitely. Well, uh, and our other podcast is Chandy from Australia, who uh, had done a visit, a study tour to, to Japan, talking about the, how in Japan they're using so much of, of these robotic companions. Um, but it always does beg the question, how do you, where do you find the warm touch, though? Where are the warm hands in this? That's the million dollar question, right? Just where is the human aspect to it? In the absence of regular daily human contact with family members, which doesn't always happen, it might be a nice substitute. Uh, I know Japan is really uh, on that robotic uh, forefront. Their population is aging dramatically. Uh, their birth rate is declining. So there's not enough uh, humans or family members to uh, to look after the uh, the aging population. I think a lot of these countries are going to look towards tools like that, whether they're robots or just better communication tools with video screens and, and what have you to connect uh, with humans. Or even AI. AI, that's the next leap. You're going to be able to actually interact with AI bots that will actually sound like a human and you'll be able to have conversations with it's very uh, sci-fi, but it, it, it is actually <laughs> it's here. It's here. They, they have these chatbots. They have these virtual avatars now that look like real human. Like you can have a video call with an AI avatar that looks like a real human. You can pick what kind of human you want it to look like. And it's going to get to the point in the next few years with voice cloning, I'll be able to input samples of my voice and it'll be able to scan me and create a likeness of me and can do video calls with Mike Agarbo. Everyone's dream come true, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> You're charming. <laughs> I don't know about that. But so these are tools that are going to be available for caregiving and, and AI. It's just, it's advancing so dramatically, exponentially fast that even for me, someone who's been in the tech game for a few decades here, I've never seen anything like it. And just every day, there's something, something new and just huge advances from that aspect. So from a caregiving aspect, that, that is something that I'm really trying to get in tune with right now. Well, and it, and it really can be a, an enabler, as you said earlier, and, and, a, and free up those warm hands to do other yeah. things. Yeah. As we know, again, we've got system home care is, is a real challenge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's important. My mom, back earlier this year, she had a fall and was in a hospital. And I guess there's different levels of these hospitals, but she was in this kind of care ward 
and they didn't have TVs or anything there. And I try to visit her as often as I could, once or twice a day. Same with my dad. There are just hours that go by where she's just sitting there. She couldn't really read or anything like that. She's just alone with her thoughts, right? Because the nurses don't come around 20 times an hour, right? Maybe once every half an hour or an hour just to make sure that the patient's okay. The more tools that we we do have to just have some interaction, I think that's something we have to look at in, in the coming years. It, it does make you think about the workforce as well. So if we're going to be introducing new technologies into our homes, uh, care environments, whether it's hospitals, long-term care homes, um, in Ontario, Arden has invested billions of dollars to build new long-term care homes. We, we know that a lot of the existing stock is much older. Um, getting Wi-Fi installed was a real challenge. Yeah. So yeah. It, it does make you think, what are we actually building for and what do we need to contemplate even in these new buildings as we think about what the future could be in what are some of those other tools that we're going to have? Yeah. Unfortunately, they're probably 10 years behind already <laughs> you know, building what they're building uh, now. But obviously, I think good connectivity and screens for communication with family members or AI caregivers. And I know everyone freaks out when I'm saying an AI caregiver, but I'm just telling you that's the way it's going to go. There's not enough human caregivers in, in the system. We don't have enough doctors. My dad's doctor just retired and he can't get a new one. So he's just out in the cold. The hospitals don't have enough staff. So we are going to be looking at these computers and AI technology to, to help with that. And the technology is there. It's there. Well, I know during the pandemic, um, mental health supports went entirely digital yes. across the country. Yes. And suddenly you could, a psychiatrist in Toronto could be doing a, uh, a consultation or, or doing a therapy study in Thunder Bay or Sioux Lookout or even British. Yeah. Uh, so it's breaking down boundaries uh, yeah. as well as we think about this. And, and But what about your connectivity? To your point around connectivity, I'm, I'm always, when I, when I speak to friends and uh, who, who've come uh, Southeast Asia and they all have cell phones, this is, that's their, their tool. Yep. And yet in Canada, we struggle when, and we're always talking about broadband. Yep. And we're talking internet still to this day. Um, what can people do to bridge that challenge if they want to take advantage of digital? It's a great question. Uh, you touched on these rural communities that don't have, uh, a lot of them don't have great internet. Uh, some don't have any. Uh, I know a lot of the big carriers like TELUS, for example, that's one of their uh, driving missions to connect these smaller communities. And I think they're doing a great job. But sometimes you might be in a location uh, that just is underserved. Technology is caught up there. There's a lot of, not a lot, there's a few solutions. Starlink's probably one of the best ones. They're like a satellite internet provider. They're Starlink. owned by Starlink. They're owned by SpaceX, yeah. Elon Musk's company. Love oh, him or hate yeah. him. Love him or hate him. He's providing internet <laughs> to, the, to the masses. And I think it's about 150 bucks a month. But if you don't have internet or don't have good internet, it is a lifesaver. You, you basically will get high speed internet uh, even on top of, of a mountain. Do you want to pick that one up? I'm just going to let that ring through. No worries. No worries. <laughs> this is where it's good that we can edit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can pick up that answer too. All good. There we go. Okay. So I'll just pick that up. 
Starlink is a great solution for getting internet access literally anywhere, whether you're on a mountain, on a field up in the Northwest Territories. It's, I think, about 700 bucks for the dish. They've got sales on these things all the time. I think right now they've got a sale on for $199. And then it's $150 a month for the high-speed internet access. But Sounds like a lot, but it, it really isn't. If you look at most homes now, their internet packages are in the 100 100 to $120 anyway, so it's competitive. And if you don't have internet or crummy internet, it is a, a lifesaver for keeping you connected. Well, it's, it's a great thing for Canada when you think about our geography uh, to, to be into your home, notwithstanding... Um, broadband, uh, really lifesaver to your point. And as we're thinking uh, who may live further away from one another, um, it's, it's, it's a how, not an if. Yeah. And, and so then the next level is just Wi-Fi in the home as well, whether that's a, a larger home or a, an apartment, just making sure that you've got a good Wi-Fi router set up. Most of the carriers tell us they've got great Wi-Fi routers that can go in homes and clear up any dead spots. And there's some exciting new technology with Wi-Fi as well that uh, some of these uh, companies are rolling out. They're actually able to use Wi-Fi signals to detect falls. It can actually, because humans are walking around in the apartment interrupting the Wi-Fi signals, the router is able to actually identify humans. And if they have a dramatic fall, they can actually alert caregivers uh, as well. I think Linksys has this service down in the U.S. right now. I don't know if they've rolled it out into Canada, but it is something that is coming in as well. It really is amazing to me that there's these new tools. Uh, yes. And to your point, um, it, it, it really can help when we don't have either the members, our families are much smaller than they used, and we don't have those caregivers, uh, nurses, doctors, uh, home care is a real challenge, just given... The, the geography of some of the communities, it's so remote and rural communities where there's a lot of driving, uh, this can make a difference. When you were introducing these um, new digital tools, and, and clearly you've space and have seen solution of this, so um, I, I kind of normalized the discussion around uh, technology with your parents uh fairly early on. What is your advice to caregivers who maybe don't have the depth of your your expertise yeah. about um, where to start on technology again? Uh, where do you start and where do you start with those discussions with your family members? Uh, great question. And again, comes back to keeping it simple. Most people are normal. They're not like me just nerding out on all the latest tech. I think most caregivers, they have a smartphone of some type and are familiar with using an iPhone or an Android phone and apps, which is, that's the first level. And I think a lot of caregivers probably have some type of wearable like an Apple Watch. So I think there's a familiarity with the basic aspects of the technology. So I would start from that aspect. I would start with some type of wearable, but again, sit down with the family member or parents, whoever you're looking after, and just have that conversation. You want them to be safe. These are some of the tools that we could potentially use, like an Apple Watch or one of these Telus Living devices, and explain how they work and what kind of information is going back to the, the caregiver. It's a pretty simple discussion, and I think most folks would get behind that. And then from there, it's if they can set up an iPhone and an Apple Watch, they can do that for their family member uh, as well. And it, it's actually really simple in the menus to give permission or send the data to another family member. Surprisingly simple. And and 
building on that, uh, you commented earlier about the um, the smart uh, fencer that you can get at your pharmacy, but find that it was it was all that useful. And I know there are other uh, technology evolving, whether it's um, a diagnostic cuff or a cardiac. Uh, no, it's a good question. The, the wearables, like the Apple Watches, they, they monitor the heart rate. And as long as you get one of the more newer models, they can detect irregular heartbeats and things like that. I'm not a doctor by any stretch, but at least I'm getting that information and I can like then tell my dad, hey, we should go contact the doctor. This looks unusual. Yeah, there's all sorts of technology out there. The pill thing, I just... It was a lot of work for... And I just questioned the return and the usefulness like with this... Is it sustainable to keep up that system? There are smart toilets now. Withings has got this smart toilet seat thing where you can put in capsules and when you pee into it, it'll tell you if there's something wrong. Cool, but that adds another layer of complexity. You talked about smart thermometers. One one thing that might be cool are these smart scales for weighing. Yes. Um, those are cool because they're simple, right? Your parents, no matter how elderly they are, they've probably used a scale before. And if you get one of these connected ones, they're pretty cool. They can measure all sorts of stuff, not only just weight, body mass uh, index and muscle and, and, and all that. And you can get that information sent to your smartphone as well. But yeah, the sky's the limit as far as these different devices. And it's a huge industry. It's like a multi-billion dollar industry right now. All these firms are just coming up with new ways to, to monitor health. But again, it, how simple is it is my question. Will you use it? Will you use it and and who's receiving the information and what would they do with that information? Yeah. And is it I, useful information? Exactly. And for diabetics, my dad is diabetic, for example. They've got those little, I think, Libra Freestyle, for example, is one, one brand. They look like little coins that you stick on your arm and it will just 24-7 monitor your glucose levels instead of having to prick your finger all the time. That is cool. That's typically more for type 1 diabetics that need insulin all the time. But wow, that's such an advancement over how things used to have to be done. That's another, obviously, that's a must-have must type of tool. And I know a lot of the healthcare plans actually cover, cover those, those things. So to your, to your earlier point, will you use it? How do you, if, if there are so many products out there and so many new products coming on market, you talked about yeah. how quickly technology evolving, uh, including with, with AI and these robots. How does a layperson pick a winner? How do you know that <laughs> if, yeah. you know, if you buy something, it's not going to be redundant tomorrow? And because there's something new that's going to, um, any advice, think of, um, how do you know that that's uh, uh, it, the, the right brand, uh, that it's actually a quality product, it's going to do what you need it to do? Yeah. It's a fantastic question. I I always do research on these things because obviously there's hundreds of these devices that are coming out all the time. So I always try to research who's using these, if there's already reviews out there, what's happening with that. And I just always question myself, would I use this or would people actually use this on a regular basis? The pill dispenser thing, I think they need to make them simpler. For example, the one I, the couple ones I tried, just there was too much complexity to them. And I just thought, well, normal people actually wrap their heads around this? And the answer was no. <laughs> I know there are some pill dispensers out there that are trying to make that even simpler. I don't want to talk ill of ill of those, but I would just, Google is your friend, just go online and see what experiences other people have had. And I know sometimes these are really new technologies, so there might not be a lot of reviews, but again, always, do I think I will use this or my family member will use this? What's the complexity level? 
Yeah, that's a, it's it's a great question to be asking. Simplicity, yeah. uh, asking yourself that research that's 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 really important. Reading the reviews, yeah. uh, by people, yes. users as to yeah. what was their experience with it, um, and and really understanding the will it work the way it needs to work given whatever technology setup you have in your home. Yeah. Because you can end up spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on these things. I talked about that smart toilet. Are is that going to be a regularly <laughs> used thing for the amount of money that you're going to spend on it? I don't think it's ready for prime time yet. For example, on that, there's smart mirrors now as well that can detect things. And I'm just thinking, oh my god, having to set that thing up. Yeah, this is crazy. Well, it's an interest because I, I I know um, in and around the health system for for the for the majority of my career, uh, once you diagnose something, you've got to treat something. But uh, yeah. there's often, you know, do you want to rely on you whether or not you've got something wrong with you? And what are you going to do with that information? Uh, you know, doctors always tell us not to Google things. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we we have all this information, right? But where is it going? I can I feel for these doctors sometimes all these patients coming, hey, am I printed out my Apple Watch thing here? I think it's a useful tool, but is that information going to the doctor? No. Can we even access our own personal health records yet here in Canada in an easy way? No. Apple's done an amazing job down in the States, connecting with all the different health organizations down there. Apple users in the U.S. have really easy access to their health records, whereas we don't have that. Unless you know something I don't, but... Um, No, my dog has better access to records. Yeah, so you made that... (laughs) And that's sad, right? Shouldn't we have access to that? I would love that. We have some basic stuff, but it's nowhere near what the U.S. has yet. I know it's coming, but for me, it's not fast enough. And so again, you got all these devices monitoring things. Where is that information going? Well, and 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 that's that's where my next question is actually going. So there's a lot of data, and mm-hmm. if it's is it going to the typically not without your permission? They're really heavy on the privacy because as we've seen all the news stories whenever there's any privacy breaches they just get roasted on there and again like that smart toilet sure okay they peed they've sent me this information i don't know anything about this stuff right so then it's got to be sent to the doctor the doctor's probably going oh my god doctor's going to have to end up doing a bunch of tests anyway yeah it's just you're right where does it go and the whole privacy thing um yeah I, I think we're far more comfortable now, and I, th- I think your government is is terrified about uh, privacy breaches. Uh, we but we can't at the same time. We cannot access our information. Go to the app store, and you're greeted by a lovely car who greets you. Uh, type in your your Apple ID, and then they know exactly how many devices you have. They can tell you. Um, when you bought your devices, they can just walk you through your whole suite of Apple services. And then they can do the diagnostics store, then they send you away, and then you come back in the afternoon and they fixed your problem. Yeah. Um, if only our health system would work that way. <laughs> One day, that's my dream, but we're getting there. It, I, it's not an easy thing to, to get all this integration going. I, I recognize that. And the privacy implications are huge too, and just managing that aspect to make sure that our personal information doesn't get out into the wrong hands, which seems to happen more often than not. It, it really does, but we, I, I, I'm comfortable with sharing information now and, and accessing things, going online, online banking, um, 
you know, we've yeah. we've certainly if if we could actually memorize all of our passwords, that would be a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, there's password managers out there that kind of help with that, but it's another layer of complexity. That. As we're thinking about the the, the aging ablation and and um, I know my uh, she passed away in uh, 2015. She had a Mac. Uh, she had Facebook. Uh, she had passwords. Um, she gave me her passwords, so I was able uh, when she did pass away. I had all of her various accounts that she had, and I was able to manage those. Uh, is that something I recommend people do as well? Just being aware where you have aging parents, if they are on, on social media or any of these oh, platforms. Oh, of course. Yeah. With, with my parents, they weren't overly tech savvy. So I just got them with their permission to give me up their usernames and passwords, which I set up for them anyway. So that was easy. If they don't want to give that up, uh, at least set you up as a legacy contact. Uh, in the different ecosystems you're in, Apple, you can easily go into the settings there and set up a legacy contact for one of your kids in case uh, you pass. At least they have easy access to be able to get in and save your photos and have access to any accounts or gift cards and things like that. Same with Facebook. You can set up a legacy contact in there. I think that's important as, as well. If you can think of anything digital, online banking, your credit card rewards points and things like that. Start thinking about that now so that you would have easier access uh, to that when they do pass. Great advice. Yeah. So the final question, you talked about what you, what you dream of. Uh, knowing where we are today, and you uh, even begin to, um, as, as you dream about that future, wh what does it look like and um, how soon does it come? I, yeah, with the advances of uh, AI, there's going to be some dramatic uh, innovations and uh, leaps forward when it comes to healthcare and, and, and caregiving. Already, I've, I've seen demonstrations of uh, AI pharmacists uh, that basically phone you up after you got your medication a few days later. It's like a human voice asking you, hey, Mike, uh, how is that cholesterol medication? Is there any side effects you're feeling? And it's like a real voice, but it's AI. And it's smart enough to understand my answers. I'm like, oh, no, I'm on the toilet uh, all night. Uh, so it's smart enough then to go, oh, okay, you need to go back to the pharmacist or it'll ask you, hey, can I set up an appointment uh, for you to go see your doctor? And so I know some people, I don't want to talk to a computer, but a lot of times you might not have a choice because you can't get a hold of your doctor or your pharmacist because they're so busy right. and, and overwhelmed. There's not enough of them. We're going to see a lot of that over the next five to, to 10 years and just, just diagnostic technology as well. There's new AI technology that can basically scan people's eyes and detect whether they're going to get Parkinson's or not because the AI has been trained to recognize the markers in the eyes from hundreds of thousands of scans of patients. So that's exciting to me. That's going to increase our lifespans and our health, I think, as we get uh, older. And just the monitoring aspect, I think, is going to be amazing as well. How well is that going to work inside our homes? I talked about the Wi-Fi knowing if I've fallen. It apparently also can know if I'm agitated because it can read my heat signature and, and things like that and, and hear how my voice is. So it's crazy tech that's here now, but just it always takes five to 10 years to filter down into the mainstream, if that makes sense. Well, Wow, it's uh, the future is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's I know it's scary. It, it's change. Technology is also always scary when you first hear about it. But as long as we've got good 
systems in place and privacy regulations, hopefully it'll kind of ease us in, into that that brave new world. Well, it, it really is exciting. And uh, as we think about people wanting to, to stay at home as they the people who want to stay well, so to uh, go into long-term care or hospitals, um, this is really hopeful. This gives me great hope. It's it's very exciting. So thank you so much for sharing. You know, I, I really appreciate you having me on the program here and just sharing some of what I've uh, learned. Hopefully it'll help some of the folks out there. Oh, I think it will. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, it's, uh, I, I have to say, this is one of my, my most inspiring uh, episodes and I'm oh, really you. looking forward to sharing this with everybody. Thanks, Thanks so much, Mike. Okay, Britt. Did you remember to hit the record button? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>